Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys. Man, can you believe it's already 2020? That is crazy. Apparently, we survived Y2K. We got through it. Remember that? That was going to end everything? Um, I feel like the years are really starting to fly because I noticed that by the time I catch up with like writing the date correctly, like oh my God, I got it down, 2019, then it turns to 2020 and I'm already behind. And so I know that time is flying when that happens. Um, hey, with this message this morning, you guys can follow along um, on our church app. You can get that, H2O Church and download that, and then just follow along, hit notes, and all the notes for this morning's message are on there, and you can write your own notes in and then email them to yourself, so you have those later if you'd like to look through that. So, um, it's the beginning of the year, obviously, and as always, it's a great time to make some decisions to change things for the new year, and then give up on them about the end of January, right? That's what we do. Um, no, seriously, I think this is always an appropriate time to discuss us resolving and making some internal decisions in regard to our growth spiritually. And so I think we're um, creatures of habit and rhythms and those kinds of things are helpful. And, um, and for many of us, it really is an important time of the year to do that. And so I want to read a verse in Daniel that talks about this principle of resolving. And this is uh, Daniel 1.8. It says, But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Okay, so here we have this biblical scenario where Daniel makes a, de a decision to stay away from, apparently the king has these crazy buffets okay, um, to stay away from those. And so this is the most obvious proof text, maybe, uh, in Scripture for watching what we eat, all right? Um, but what I really want to camp on here is not the decision to take part in that, you know, royal buffet. Um, what I want to talk about is the word that he uses and that is resolve, this word that we find in Scripture. And the root word, it's like the root of the word resolution. And so an important question for us as Jesus followers, like is there a place for resolve as a Christ follower? Or is this kind of some dangerous waters to wade into? Um, and here's the conflict with this term resolve. It can feel performance-driven. In other words, it's not the work of the Spirit, but it becomes, for a lot of us, trying really hard and white-knuckling something, and then we just kind of give up and we fail. And so for a lot of us, even this whole New Year's resolution time, this whole principle of making resolutions is silly 
we don't even bother. We, don't, we know we're not going to stick with it. And I think this is important, is that there's some shame attached to that. And that is something that we do not want to experience. Um, shame is something that, boy, we don't want to shame others. We don't want to shame ourselves. And so something that might lead to that is something that a lot of times we run from. I know I do. Um, but when it comes to resolve, there is a very real principle from Jesus where he reminds us of kind of what we're up against when it comes to making decisions at times. And very simply, it's ourselves. Ourselves. We can be our own worst enemy. And so he mentions this um, it kind of in this direct challenge or just an observation with his own disciples. And he mentions this where he says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we live in this daily battle with our flesh, and it often takes us under. And in this case, here with Jesus referring to his, his disciples, he was referring to this simple struggle that they were having in this scenario with just staying awake with him to accompany him through this really difficult time. It was just prior to his death, and he's praying. He's having a really just strenuous, difficult time, um, and he mentions that, like, you know, the flesh is weak. Their spirits were willing. And so in his time of need, his men that he had poured into for three and a half years couldn't even stay awake for an hour with him. And they left him alone. Why? Because they were human. There's our humanity kind of shows up here. Jesus knew that they wanted to support him, but due to some human weakness, they couldn't in this case. And what a truly understanding and loving God that we have, knowing that they would abandon him at that time and even later betray him, that he would still keep moving toward the goal of redeeming us. So, this short phrase, resolve, I think is filled with implications that I, I want to kind of lay out for us for this new year. The first is that we do have good intentions. I really believe that. I think that as men and women who are following Jesus, that we want to resolve to grow and make clear steps of progress, okay? I, I feel like we honestly want that, but we get tripped up. And the first, like Jesus mentioned, the first thing there is because we're weak. We're weak. And so I want to look at that a little bit further in Romans 14, 1 through 4. And it talks about us being weak, Accept the one whose faith is weak, 
without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything. Here it is. I'm not purposely picking out verses on food, okay? It just happens to be another one here. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. I need to remember that. Only vegetables. That's for the weak people. Okay. <laughs> it's not true at all. Yeah. I need to eat my vegetables. I'm just telling you. Okay. Eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Okay, so there was this clear understanding that our faith, like we will have times of weakness. We will struggle. And so in that, in this section in Romans, we get direction in how to love one another in the midst of our weaknesses. During those times, we need to accept one another when we need to support one another. Does it say that we should sit in judgment on one another? No, it doesn't. Here's a few keys from this verse to love each other well when it comes to supporting one another like this year in making progress. Number one, understand we aren't in any position to judge. That's God's department. Second, they, each other, and us, each of us, we answer to God. He is the judge. He is our judge. And then I love the way the verse ends. It acknowledges our weakness, but what does it end with? With God, progress is possible. It says the Lord is able to make them stand. That is really important for us to know that, yes, we're going to be realistic and acknowledge that we've got some shortcomings. We've got some weaknesses, and we're going to love and accept one another, but also to know that through the Lord, our relationship with Him, like, we have the ability to make progress. I love what Jesse shared there as we were beginning in our worship, that we have the opportunity to change. And we have a God who is unchanging. Really important for us to understand that. Hebrews 10, 22 through 25 says this, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching." 
I think God is after something here with us as a community. Like this is a communal type instruction area here. Individually, there's instruction, but then it's together. Like, how do we do this together? Let us hold unswervingly. Let us consider how we may spur one another. Like, there's this relational thing going on. And I think that's what God is after for us as a community at H2O, that we would appropriately challenge one another to be our best selves. Jesse said that, those words, our best selves, is that that is a desire for us as a community. And I love what the verse says, being fully assured that we have no guilt. Like shame and guilt isn't a part of this. And then we would hold unswervingly to hope that we wouldn't give up, that we'd spur each other on, and that we'd do that a lot. That is my hope for H2O. I could speak for our pastors. I hope and pray that people who have been a part of our community would say, when I was there, I made progress. That we can't help but get better by being around each other. Okay? Our hope is that if you spend too much time here at H2O, that you'll come out a changed person. All right. Let's go back to what Jesus said. That our flesh is weak, and that our spirits are willing. We want to be better versions of ourselves. Here are some of the things that I feel have really tripped me up, is there are times when I feel like I'm lazy, I'm tired, I'm depressed, and I'm undisciplined. And I would say myself, and I would say Sometimes we don't like it when following Jesus feels at all like work. When it feels like work, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard over the years, well, I stopped whatever because it felt too much like work. Like I want it to be out of the joy of my heart. And that is true. We are going to serve Jesus out of the joy that He fills us with and the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we need to realize that everything that we do in life is going to feel like work at times. Reading our Bibles is going to feel like work at times. Parenting, it's an incredible joy feels like work at times. <laughs> I, see, I see a couple parents are like, yes. Leading worship. Like when they got up at 5.30 this morning, it probably felt a little bit like work. Leading a life group. 
every week in your home. Cleaning up is going to feel like work. Loving a friend at 2 a.m. when it is totally inconvenient is going to feel like work. Running sound is going to feel like work. This is one of the things with us. Like when the novelty wears off, it starts to feel like work. It's just something that we need to acknowledge with ourselves. Almost everything, I think, that provides incredible joy and fulfillment requires or feels like work. I think about Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice that He would make, and He was motivated by love and relationship and His character and His nature, and how does He describe it as like glory? In John 17, 4, He says, I have brought you glory on earth, talking to His Father, by finishing the work you gave me to do. Our mission at H2O is to carry out Jesus' mission that He gave us, the work that He gave us to do. Matthew 28 says, go and make disciples of all the nations. We want to be disciples and followers of Jesus. Here is one of the things that's tough about that term. Like I would say, most of us have said, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. Disciple, and the word uh, discipline are really close. Really close. And let's be honest, we don't like discipline. We don't like stuff that feels like work, and so generally we quit. And that can be externally, but internally. I know there's been times in my life where I felt like this is something I really need to work on internally. My attitudes, my... Um, gosh, there's so many things where I've just felt like, no, I just want to give up on that. I want to quit. When it comes to volunteering for even church-related things, there's like a kind of a three-month period where it can be exciting and fun, and then eventually things feel like work, and it gets tough. I feel like I'm naturally, like I'm good at quitting. I'm somehow like, I'm, and I've quit on myself and on God and on others many times. And I regret, I regret that. This is why I think we need each other. I think we're better together than we are on our own. That's why we need each other, to hold each other accountable, to lift each other up, to love each other back on to the field. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we will reap a harvest if we don't 
give up. There is a need for perseverance and discipline in the Christian life. It's all over Scripture. James 1.12, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. We are not alone in being a disciple. Not alone. We have others around us, and we have this very important helper, the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. I love that. Yes, we have weaknesses. Yes, our flesh is weak. But we have God's Spirit inside us working. So, yes, yeah, there is a battle against ourselves, but we are not alone in it. We have our internal helper, the Holy Spirit, and we have our external helpers, each other. Each other. We are in this together. And I want to tell us, like, together, we cannot underestimate what God can do with a heart fully submitted to the Holy Spirit. We sell ourselves short way too often and dismiss at times what God can do in our lives. Like that verse that we talked about at the beginning, the Lord can make you stand. If you're thinking, ah, I just, there are things that I really want to change, but I just don't see that happening. No, it can. The Lord can make you stand. Resolve and discipline are part of the Christian life. Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 2, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. There it is again. A resolve that the disciple of Jesus commits to. That's the Apostle Paul. Is he a shame-ridden guy? Not at all. He doesn't operate with, I mean, he has effort and perseverance, but he revels in his forgiveness and his standing before God, and yet he pushes himself to the brink for God. I love 2 Corinthians 11, one of my favorite sections of Scripture, which is kind of discouraging to read in some ways. Paul saying, three times I was beaten with rods, once I was pelted with stones, three times I was shipwrecked, I spent a night and a day in the open sea, I've been constantly on the move, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled 
and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Some versions say, I face the pressure of like this anxiety that he had for all the churches. I don't know about you, but that list and what he went through, that sounds a lot like work. Sounds like it was hard, and I bet he wanted to quit. There are probably a lot of times where he thought, what am I doing? <laughs> Is this really worth it? But he knew it was. He knew it was. Colossians 1.29 says this, To this end I strenuously contend. I love this. He strenuously contends. Sounds like a lot of effort and work and perseverance. Next sentence. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. That's what fuels his effort and his perseverance. I want to listen to a short video here. You know, when I'm talking to players and when I'm talking to my son, um, and you, you ask him a question or you ask him, you know, hey, what happened? One of your players, what happened? What, what, uh, you know, this happened, that happened. Our coach, I couldn't do it. Our dad, I couldn't. So I read one time where somebody said, don't tell me how rough the ocean was. Just bring the boat in. And I think that's a great way for kids to grow up saying, look, you got a job to do. When somebody gives you a task, they don't want you coming back and telling them why you couldn't do it. They asked you to do it because they thought you could do it. So just get the job done. And the harder it was to get it done, the better you're going to feel about it. It's easy to say, I couldn't do it because of this. Fine. Then you didn't grow and you didn't prove anything to yourself. That coach there, that is a women's basketball coach for UConn, which happened to win 126 straight games. It's amazing. Obviously a very high standard, but there's something there about having this resolve. And even in that, although it might have been a little bit overboard, <laughs> but there was still this thing like, I asked you to do it because I knew you could do it. This is the thing. I, the Christian life is very difficult. It is hard. But with the Holy Spirit inside us, God has called us to this, and He knows that we are up for it. You have what it takes. Straight up. Because of Christ in you. That's it. You can strenuously contend because of the energy that Christ so powerfully works in you.
sometimes I, it's hard for me, I think, as Christians argue or talk about this because it gets described as it's either this way or that way. Like, it's either all Him or all us. And what happens here is I think that Scripture teaches both at the same time. That somehow God in His wisdom knows how to work those two things together. Where we strenuously contend and we do it with His power in us. Knowing we are not hustling up the effort ourselves, but it is the power of God in us, that's a reminder that we need. That's one of the things that we do when we worship together, is just reminding ourselves of truth and who is doing what in our lives. So this year, I want us to resolve together as a community to grow closer to Jesus by obeying Him, living under His direction, His Lordship. And let's resolve together to help each other up, hold each other up, and encourage one another as we contend strenuously together. Let's finish this year. Like, let's finish. There are some things that God has put on our hearts. You probably thought about them over the last couple weeks. Let's go after them, trusting in God that you have what it takes because you do, according to Scripture. And let's finish it. Let's make it happen. Let's pray. Lord, we don't come to you with any sense of pride. In fact, it is with a deep sense of humility in knowing that we can't do things on our own, that we need your grace, we need your power, we need your spirit in us to change us. God, we ask you for that. We rely on you. We need your energy. We need your power. We need your perspective to be able to like, contend. It's going to be strenuous. It's going to be work. It's going to be hard. And yet, God, you've called us to something great like that. God, show us what that is. Help us to rest in your grace and your forgiveness. Help us to love one another, encourage one another, help each other up. To be helpers, to be ones that love one another in this together. God, thank you that as a community we are not alone, that we have each other. And ultimately, that we have you to fill us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
guys can stand and sing with us. of the gospel as we begin to take communion. I remember the first time I heard the gospel and understood that God himself in the person of Jesus Christ had taken my sin on his back and had removed my sin from me. As far as the east is from the west, as high as the heavens are above the earth, nailed to the cross, no longer on me. I remember when I understood that this was a gift, that I needed to do nothing to earn it, that God somehow in this ridiculous amount of favor that he had for me, even while I was in my sin, ignoring him and living independently from him, out of a heart of overflow, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And I remember at that point, I realized I cannot be the same person anymore. If he did this for me, I must follow him. But I have this strange problem, and maybe, just maybe you do too. I forget the gospel. I forget that I bring nothing to this table except my sin. I so want to deal with God on the basis of my merit. I so want to resolve and out of my own power live for God. And that's the wrong starting point. The only starting point the place of human flourishing is sitting before the cross of Jesus Christ and knowing the incredible, indescribable love and favor that he shows toward us. If we've responded to that, then today, in this moment, as we partake in communion, you are washed clean. There is no sin that God remembers. He says, I will remember their sin no 
more. And so this morning as we approach the communion table, we want to do so as an act of remembrance. Remembering what Jesus has done and remembering who we are. We are his children that he loves more deeply than any earthly father could ever love his children. What we want to do is this. We want to come to the table, take a piece of bread, take the communion cup. Do not take it yet. Go back to your seat. And here in just a few minutes, we will participate in that together. So at this point, we have two tables here. I believe we have one in the back. Please receive the elements and then return to your seat. night that Jesus was betrayed he took the bread a loaf of bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you at this point please participate in the bread and Jesus took the cup the third cup of the Jewish Seder celebrating Passover and he said this is the new covenant the new arrangement between God and man the new covenant in my blood at this point please participate in the cup Lord God, we do celebrate you today. No one has ever loved us like you have. And so we just say to you, thank you. We come now to worship, to celebrate, to sing loud, to sing with celebratory happy hearts because of the indescribable love of Christ. We worship you. We're thankful to you because of Jesus. We come now to worship. <laughs> 